You're listening to Angels and Awakening, where we believe daily life can be lived from a constant state of love, joy, peace, bliss, ease, and grace. Why are people always searching for a better way to live? Because there is one. Life doesn't have to be stress-filled and anxiety-ridden. You can make lasting changes that lead to a life you love. My name's Julie Jancis. I have the gift of connecting with angels and bringing through their healing, positive messages to my clients every day. Join us on the Angels and Awakening podcast each week as we explore big spiritual questions, interview experts, and bring through angel messages. I'm so excited you're here. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis, and today we're here with author Kate Grant. Kate is the author of Before You Were You, and she is a massively fascinating individual. Not only is she an author, she's a life coach, but she never lost the ability that most of us lose when we come through the birthing process. She never lost the ability of seeing and feeling and remembering what it was like on the other side. Hi, Julie. I'm so Hi, Kate. So excited to be here and you're so nice. Thank you so much for that introduction. That was very kind. Oh, of course. No, this is a subject that just warms my heart. So I want you to tell people a little bit more about you, if there's anything else you want them to know first, and then let's jump into um, your story. Well, hmm, let's just jump into the story. Okay. Because my book is written sort of from a, um, an autobiographical perspective and that yep. I kind of jump into my story and I kept this 40-year secret. And then all of a sudden I let the cat out of the bag. And so um, that's, that's actually really well explained in the book. And it talks about my journey and um, what, how that's affected me in my life. And yeah. Yeah, because you and I have it both in common where we went to Catholic school growing up, right? Yeah. Oh, and, 12 years of it. 12 years, 12 of, years it. of it. Yeah. Right. I, I didn't have that much, but um, you had an amazing nun who really understood early on that you have this gift. You wrote a paper and tell us about that because this is just fascinating. I did. I, her name was Sister Nancy and she had red hair and gorgeous green eyes and she rocked her habit like couture. She was very progressive and she was very um, happy all the time. Very different from a lot of the nuns that I encountered who were sort of grumpy and solace and, you know, very, uh, very melancholy. She had this very beautiful spirit, this very outgoing personality. And we came back from summer vacation uh, when I believe I was in the sixth grade and I went to school early. So I was about 11 and um, all the other kids were writing about going to Mexico and seeing their grandparents and doing all these fun things. And I wrote a book, uh, I wrote a paper, sorry, about the others. And the others to me were, I go into great detail about the others in my book, um, these beautiful sparkling souls that I encountered when I was in the creation realm. And not just 
seeing myself being born, but seeing myself before I was born and remembering where that was and what that was. So I wrote a paper about it and Sister Nancy thought it was fascinating and called me up after class and asked me to talk with her more about it. So she recognized it as a gift. Um, uh, and she said, this is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's something that you're way too young to understand. And I'd like to help you with that. So, um, she called my mom and a very protective 1970s mom and said, you know, we really need to support her in this. And she doesn't know what to do with this or where to go with this, but this is her message. It's what she was born for. And my mom said, no, thanks. Um, it's kind of crazy that she talks about that kind of stuff and it can't really be true. So, um, she shut it down and then she, uh, shut me down very quickly after that. So I made an agreement with her that I wouldn't tell my stories anymore. And so I sort of just kept my mouth shut for 40 years. Yeah. So there's so much there to unpack, right? But let's talk about how this came back into your life because so many of us have a spiritual gift, right? Yeah. We at some point learn to put it away. Society socializes it out of us. Absolutely. We get to this point and somewhere in our adult lives, some people it's 20s, some people it's 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever, wherever it might be, but it's truly who and what we are. And we have this deep need to be here and express what we came here to express. So um, I, I want to honor the story of how this came out for you because it's such a touching story. It just makes me want to well up right now. Um, but if you could tell how it came back for you. Sure. One thing that I do know about the creator and, um, and his beautiful expression in our lives is that we are his, his, its physical expression. So we have to. The creator is relentless in loving us, relentless in, in being overjoyed with us and enamored with us. And um, so back to your statement about how many of us hide our gifts because society thinks we're weird. Society doesn't accept it. It's not, you know, an accepted uh, doctrine or norm. Sometimes we, be, we let that fear overpower us. And Fear and darkness is not what the creator uh, made us for. It, it, for. it is for light and for love and for joy and abundance and all of the wonderful things that we can share with each other. So that fear and that darkness, that's created by us. That's created inside our heart and in our side, our soul um, from past programming. And we, we talked about that um, a bit um, in the past conversations. When that, when that, inner dialogue starts to really program you into thinking that you're too crazy, you better act normal, let's grab, you know, get in line with the sheep and let's go because because you're going to be somehow ostracized or unloved, which was my case. So uh, going back to the sixth grade, um, that phone call was a call that would change my life, change my course of action. Um, My mom told me that I wouldn't have any friends and that no one would ever love me. 
She said, you want to be loved, don't you? People are going to think you're crazy. And if you're crazy, people can't love you. You've got to stop this. Don't tell these stories anymore. So I made an agreement with myself to not tell those stories. Mm -hmm. The next 40 years until I was uh, 51 years old, I became everyone else but myself. I was a type A overachiever. I had eating disorders. I had um, panic attacks. Uh, debilitating panic attacks uh, where I had to be medicated. And um, I still functioned within my normal, what I thought was maybe a normal existence for everyone else. I got married. I met the love of my life. I had a beautiful family. And I was doing all of these things. I was taking those steps, but there was something inside me screaming, someone's going to find out someone's going to catch you. So with that duality, living that duality all the time and people, others who have spiritual gifts might experience that same thing. Sure. Just that duality of, Ooh, who do I tell? Can I open up to this person or are they going to roll their eyes and and go screaming, you know, to the masses? Um, so it took, it took a huge shift in my life, something, a life-changing event. My husband was diagnosed with lung cancer Mm -hmm. and it was terminal when they found it. And I walked down the kitchen into the kitchen one morning and he was staring out into this beautiful fall day. And we had moved to Colorado from Texas for the weather. Fall was his favorite. And when he turned around, usually he greeted me with, you know, my favorite cup of coffee and a kiss. And this morning he did not do that this particular morning. And so I knew something was different. And when he turned around, there were tears streaming down his face and he was very distraught and he just started weeping. I, I, I grabbed him as he sort of came toward me and, and he just wept and wept. And I, there were no words at the moment. I knew what he was feeling, but there was nothing that I could say. So we sort of melted onto the tile floor together and then sat holding hands with each other. And when he sort of cried it out, so to speak, we had a discussion. Um, my, my soul inside was just saying, tell him, tell him, tell him right now. You had remembered. You had remembered. I had remembered my whole life. I had just compartmentalized, which I think a lot of spiritual teachers and a lot of spiritual people do they compartmentalize because it doesn't quite fit within that norm of society sure so if there is anyone out there listening that this can relate to um you have to stand in your truth and that moment of truth for me was on a white tile kitchen floor with my husband who was dying and he died a little bit less than a month later of this particular incident and so we held hands and i told him about the others and how i was thrust out into this gorgeous moonlit sky with a trillion stars and the trillion stars were other souls and i did not have a body but I was attracted to one light or another and one was brighter and I would go and we would intermingle and do this beautiful dance of souls together. And I would know all about that soul in just a a millisecond. We would do this dance and intertwine and we would both leave that union bigger than we came into it and how loved and accepted and blissful and carefree and perfect and all of the good things you feel in that realm. And that that was where he was going to go because you're called back to that space. And so that brought him a lot of comfort. His face became very peaceful and um, he 
had been very frightened before. I'm not a good enough father. I'm not a good enough husband. I haven't been a good son. And all the regrets that human beings have when they look back in their lives. And he begged me to share it. He begged me to share that story. So um, I did. And my book, it became my book called Before You Were You. So really, before you're this physical presence, you are in this realm where you are gifted with all those beautiful things. And those things come with you. They never leave you. It's simply our physical existence here sometimes that robs us of that if we don't stay connected. Yeah, totally. Um, what else do you see? What else do you know for sure from the other side? Oh gosh, the things I know for sure. <laughs> now we get into the fun stuff. Heck, yeah. I know, I know that we are a hundred percent pure and complete love energy and that that can never be taken from us and it never dies. Um, Greg Braden is one of my favorite teachers and Greg talks about a lot um, in his teaching that in about quantum physics and how scientists can spin energy and they can get it down to the atom and they can get it down, which is the smallest particle that we know. But when they keep spinning it, there's still something there and it never goes away. They can't deduce it to nothing. Right. They cannot make it stop or go away. Mm -hmm. And so that is one of the biggest uh, lessons that I learned is that we came from, from a place, we go to that place. This is just a piece of our journey and that angels are all around us. Um, there is a, a realm where all of everything loves us and they're cheering us on in our life. So we're not alone. And I think that that really speaks to a lot of people who are lonely, yes. um, people who haven't found their tribe or people who haven't found their other right. significant person and they feel alone, but they're, you're never alone. You are never alone. And that strikes fear in a lot of people because they, they're like, well, what about when I'm in the bathroom or when I'm, you know, and I have gotten messages and understanding a deeper understanding of that spirits are not spirits and souls and angels are not interested in that part of, of the human condition. Mm. They're with you in your moments of questioning, in your moments of doubt, in your moments of grief, in your moments of sorrow, in your moments of joy. They're with us during our emotional times. So because we're emotional beings, and that's what I felt like I was, pure emotional being. That's what I was. And that's what I am still, still a very emotional human being. And I love that about myself. Mm -hmm. I don't squash that in myself anymore because I, I did for so long. So that comes with you and they're everywhere. So you have the support and the love of everything and all of creation pushing for you and cheering you on, you know, setting out to on, on that first step of that journey, no matter what that journey is, they're all there just cheering you on, wanting you to succeed and, and live your best life and live to your purpose. I always had urgings that were trying to make me live to my purpose, but I was too frightened to say yes. 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 So it is for anybody listening right now, it's April 23rd. And uh, the podcast that I did this week was just me talking about how as we go through our lives, we make purpose out to be so much more grandiose than it needs to be, right? But your purpose um, 
Some of us know it, some of us don't know it and have the full picture early on, but all we have to do is follow our heart, listen to that voice, that tiny voice inside our heart, our intuition, which is really what they show me, our soul's voice on the other side, our soul's thought system. And as things come to your heart and weigh on your heart, for attention, they want to be noticed, they want a space, focus on those things. Is that how you see it? Yes. And you have to take that fear factor out of it because honestly, when you step into that purpose or when you hear that calling for that purpose, mm-hmm. it's, it's an automatic response, or at least it was for me to say, well, I'm not that special. Why am I why do I have this gift? You oh, know, totally. Yeah. You know, and so you sort you sort of try to talk yourself out of it and you find every reason why maybe I was just a creative child. Maybe I didn't see the others. As as far back as as I can recall, I had an inner dialogue about wanting to be back with the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came from eight children. I'm seventh out of eight children yes. in a family. Um, and I used to play with my brothers and sisters. And of course, I was at the younger end. So, you know, I didn't get to do all the things they got to do. And I felt left out a little bit from time to time because I wasn't big enough to ride my bike down the hill. My tricycle wouldn't go that fast. Um, but in, in a lot of circumstances, my brothers and sisters have brought back memories. Now that I'm sort of out of the closet, so to speak, with my book. And sure. I'm... And I've always been sort of that that person in the family that um, I'm 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 strong and faithful and and it's made me a very sturdy human being. Mm-hmm. They just never knew why, and um, and I said, well, I had a secret, you know, that kind of helped me um, be who I who I really am, and and give me the strength to lose people, to step out and care for others who are who are dying. I lost a child. I lost my sister. Uh, I lost my dad. Uh, now my mom as well, but I lost my husband. So those are some pretty large uh, milestones. You know, those are, that's some pretty pretty hefty life material. And so through those moments, I stood so strong and so confident in my faith of everything is just as it should be. Yes. Even if I don't like those circumstances, they're still exactly what, how they're supposed to be. So I trust in that. And I have that, I've been given that gift and that, and that platform because when, when I went to the creator in that realm, do you know, have you ever been on the beach and you've seen those people with those big bubble makers? They're huge and the the bubbles are gigantic and they're so cool. They change shape and they float and they reflect and there's prisms inside and all the color. It's so beautiful. So I was called to the creator at one point and shown my life in one of those bubbles. As quickly as it expanded, it closed back up and it was gone. And when I said yes, I was hovering in a hospital room. Wow. So that was before you were here. This is an experience that you remember from the other side. Before I was born. Yeah. So you were called over, shown this bubble of everything that would happen in your life. Yes. Was it, um, and I've thought about this too, but here's what question that I come back to because I can't remember as you remember before we got here. Right. I do believe we have some semblance of free will. Absolutely. Where does the free will come in? Does it come in? Are there bigger 
you know, forks in the road where we have to make bigger decisions and those are the points at which we have free will or is it all free will? Or is it just the free will? I've heard some people say the free will is the choice to come and live it. Okay, well, I I tend to agree with that with the people that you just talked to, the last people. I it's my understanding and it's been my experience, my personal experience through all of this that my free will was saying yes to that life. And that speaks to a lot of people who are questioning reincarnation, do we are we recycled? Do we get to come back? Is that a choice? I don't have those sorts of answers. I only have my perspective and my experience. My experience was that, yes, the creator showed me that life. And uh, when you're in that realm, you have eternal knowledge. So it was a much different perspective of me going, no, um, I'll take, uh, I'll, I'll take what's behind door, you know, curtain <laughs> two, um, because you know, I'm not tall enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or no, I don't have enough money in that life. I really don't have for, okay? Um, so, you know, it's not there like- There wasn't options. There were no. options of you could have this life, this life, or this life. No, you know, I felt like it was my choice when I said yes. Because I became immediately, you know, I don't like to use this word, but it's true. I became immediately fearful when I said yes, because of the separation. I did not want to be separated from that realm. I did not want to go. I wanted to stay there. I felt loved. I felt purposeful. I felt divinely designed and inspired. And I did not want to leave. Right. So, so in that, there was a choice. I didn't just automatically in my ethereal voice go, oh, I'm so loved and this is so perfect and, you know, and all of that. Of course I'll go. No, it wasn't like that at all. It really was, this is your life. This is your drop in the eternal pool of the infinity of time and look at what you can do when you're here. It was more like that. And so I saw that effect. I saw that beauty. I saw what I added. Um, I never saw what would have happened had I not been the drop in the pool. So I don't know. That was just my perspective. And I said yes. And then I questioned it. And I and I said, yes. And I say in an instant, I was hovering that in that room. However, in an instant, I asked if I got to come back. Oh. So I even questioned myself after I said, yes, I said, do I get to come back? Yes. And the creator said, yes, very soon, very soon. So that's what gave me the confidence to share with my husband that you do go back to that realm in some way. So maybe to the reincarnation question, you get to go back. You get to choose whether or not you want to be this, that, or the other. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have that answer, but that was my experience. So it certainly opens up a conversation. Yeah. yeah. So did you get any insight in that memory that you have of why it was important for you to come here and experience this life? Like, why were you tapped? I have had a lot of spiritual experiences. I have had a lot of visitations. I've had a lot of visions. Yeah. I've had much, much deeper meaning. Um, I don't go into this 
in detail in the book, um, but I'll share it with you now in that when I lost my daughter, um, I was almost six months pregnant with her and um, my sister had been diagnosed with brain cancer and we had, my husband and I had given up a very lucrative business. We just closed it because it was super creative. It was our only means of living at the time, but we both felt a calling. We had moved from Texas to Colorado, found out that she was sick and moved back to Texas from Colorado. So it was really expensive. We had moved our whole business up there. So that was, expensive. it was a big life choice for us, yeah. but I knew I had that calling to do that. And it wasn't because I'd seen it before. It was just because I felt this is right. I followed that intuition. Right. He felt it was right. So we, so we moved back to Texas. We were taking care of my sister. She had brain cancer. So she was fairly incapacitated from the time they did surgery on her until the time that she passed. Um, so I took care of her and what a gift. I took care of her for about eight to 12 hours a day while her husband worked. And she had two small children that I cared for as well. And during that time I became pregnant and uh, with our fourth child. And then I went in, my sister passed and we had her services. And then, um, I went back to the doctor for a regular checkup and there was no heartbeat. Mm. And the doctor, oddly enough, um, dated the, because of the size of the baby, um, backdated the baby's death three days before my sister. And she had been gone almost two weeks. So I had carried that child until after she had passed. And then I had her. Well, on the night that I had her, I came home um, and uh, I went to bed. And then I sat up and was given a vision, the most beautiful vision, because I was, of course, just covered in grief, just Absolutely. completely in that dark space of, of why and, and, you know, what is this? And, and we gave up so much to, to try to, you know, minister to my sister. And then she died anyway. Like, what is this? Why? You know, just all the whys, all the most horrible whys. And then to lose my baby, which was such hope at the end of this horrific experience for us. And I had a vision of my sister. I sat up in bed and actually the rest of the room was cloudy. And I sort of had this orb of light and I saw my sister completely healthy um, in her cutest pair of shorts. Like she had this favorite pair of shorts. We always used to joke about it. I used to hide them from her <laughs> when we were growing up together because she loved them so much. And I used to hide them and she'd go, where are my shorts? Where are my shorts? I don't know. I haven't seen them. <laughs> Just to mess with her. And um, she had her favorite pair of shorts on and she looked so beautiful. And she was holding the hand of a small child walking into heaven. And when that just walking toward this most beautiful, beautiful light. Mm. And when that child turned around, I knew that that was my child. Mm. I knew that was my daughter. And we had named her Maggie. And um, I had a channeling session. I think I may have shared with you. Um, I had a channeling session a few months ago and Maggie came to me first and foremost. And she thanked me for giving her that physical experience as a human being, even though she never came forth, she felt that love between my sister and I. She was the catalyst. She was the person that held her hand and ushered her into, into this realm. And that was my sister's biggest fear. She didn't want to be alone when she passed. Uh. And uh, I had said a very intentional prayer. I had set that forth and said, I, I'm not ready to go. I don't want to go. I've got small children myself and this beautiful life that I want to live. But I, how can I be with her? 
Yes. Yeah. And so that wish and intention was fulfilled willingly through my body and through that child. So that was such a gift. Wow. Yeah. So, so what came through in that reading for you was that your sister didn't want to be alone, just right. recapping in yeah. her passing. Mm-hmm. And so your soul, do you believe, because what they show me is that our soul is omnipresent. So the, the idea of the higher self is true, that there is a part of us on the other side. Absolutely. So, so you brought through this child in order to help your sister's soul not feel alone in that time. And that was the purpose of that. Absolutely. A piece of me was with her. Yeah. A part of me was with her, my yes. presence, my, uh, my DNA, my comfort. And I felt so comforted by that, mm-hmm. you know, that she was able to pass and uh, into that other realm and not be afraid and yes. not, be, not be afraid. So, yeah. And in that channeling session, I was actually told that um, Maggie, my daughter and my sister, Teresa, had spent many lifetimes together as well with myself. And that that was an honor for for Maggie to be able to be the, the, um, that presence for me and meet her there because she had missed her. Yes. uh, Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love that story. I love that story. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Such a gift. Such such a gift. gift. Such a gift. And I, I get what you mean when you say, you know, you have the big bird's eye view. You can remember and you can see enough into the other side. You can feel enough that we know even when we're going through the hard times that there is a purpose for all of it. And, you know, Spirit's showing me this memory that I have um, when my parents went through a very traumatic divorce we were in um we were in between a move moving down to one state my mom was supposed to put us in school the next day and instead she um put us on an airplane with herself to chicago to um, and then she put us in school the next day in the chicagoland area um so we kind of fled And I don't want to say it that way because my dad wasn't a bad guy. There was just a lot going on. It was a very complex situation, right? But um, I remember getting up to Chicago, being in the car very shortly after and feeling so much love and so much presence. And I remember my grandparents and my mom and other people around me saying, you need to have more emotion about all of this. Like you're not processing this. And I was Mm -hmm. like, but I am, you know, like, but I know it's all going to be okay. I know this is all yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Um, there are people who can't see that though. And there are people who just see the hurt. You know, there's so much hurt. There's, sure. you lost your husband, your sister, you know, your baby and your dad. Um, how do you explain that to them? How do you explain it to the people who are like, but why is there so much pain? Why is there so much suffering? You know, I, I believe that since we're emotional beings, and it's been my experience that we are emotion. We are raw emotion. That is, that is why I believe when people try to manifest something in their life, 
They try to goal orient it. They try to put it in a box. They try to bring it forth to them because they want it so bad. It's almost like chasing a butterfly. You're never going to chase, you're never going to catch it. It has to, you have to sit and wait and have that brought forth. You have to attach an emotion to it. Mm -hmm. Most people who manifest wonderful things in their life know 100% of them say, if you don't attach an emotion to what you want and why you want it, totally get it. You'll never get it. Preach. I teach this every day. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, you have to attach, you have to know what it feels like in order to have it. And a lot of people say, well, Kate, I don't know what having a hundred thousand dollar job feels like. Well, you can imagine it. You know people who have $100,000 jobs. And if that's what your effort is toward, you know what it's like. See the office, see the people, see your, see your um, assistant bringing you coffee, you know, see the view, you know, figure it out, you know, um, YouTube it. There's a YouTube for everything. What does it totally. look like to see it, to have a $100,000 job? I don't know. So, um, so here, here is how I address that because okay. I am a human being. I am not a superhero. I wish that I had superhero powers and I could save all the puppies and jump off the buildings and not get hurt and that sort of thing. But I'm a human being. And so we're human first and we are sent here in this physical plane with all of its limitations and death being one of them, death limits your soul from continuing on here. And it makes us unhappy. It grieves us. We do connect so deeply and so spiritually with other human beings. A lot of them we've danced with in that creation realm. And a lot of them, you know them, you've seen them before. They are your soul sister, your soul brother, your friend. Um, So in those relationships, you do get those deep connections. And it is a normal, normal process for us to grieve, for us to be angry, for us to be sad. And we're intellectual, so we try to figure it out. Our subconscious soul mind tells us things are as they should be. That was their journey and their journey is over. So it tries to push us through to that acceptance, but our intellect keeps saying, but why, why, why? I don't get it. Why? We try to understand. And, And that's a good thing. We should try to understand this existence and what this is. My experience and the reason that I do process grief a little differently is because I know it will be such a short time until I'm back in that creation realm. So I am built to do everything it is I'm supposed to do here. It wasn't my time to die. When my husband passed, he passed right in my arms, in my embrace. And I felt that warmth leave his body. I felt that last breath leave his body. I felt his soul rise from his body. Mm. And then a light went on and I was like, oh my gosh, this is only between him and the creator. This is not about me. Mm -hmm. I was just a lucky participant. I was just blessed to bump around with him and have these beautiful children with him and to, to enjoy that presence in my life. So the difference between the way that I handle grief and other people isn't that I don't throw dishes at the wall because I did. (laughs) that I didn't scream up at the creator and say, why me? It's not fair. It's not that I didn't get jealous when I saw older couples walking down the street hand in hand. I'll never have that with him. Mm -hmm. We didn't get to grow old together. There are so many what ifs and whys. Mm -hmm. However, the what ifs and whys are not mine. Mm -hmm. My what ifs and whys are still here. 
and my existence and my connection with that creator who made me for a special divine purpose is still here. And so sometimes we get so tied up and so wrapped up in the what ifs and whys and this isn't fairs that we forget that we are divinely intentionally placed here one at a time, Mm -hmm. one physical body at a time to carry our soul around so that we can create for the creator. We can experience for the creator and he's not done with us. So he was done with my husband. My husband had fulfilled his purpose here and it was time for him to go. The drop in the pool, all the ripples had gone as far as they were going to go. And they still do. I see his presence in my children. I see his presence in my grandchildren. I hear his daily uh, wisdom that he used to you know, uh, uh, give us little, little Rickisms. That's what we called him. He was so funny. And, um, and I see his smile and I, and I remember how he taught me how to cook one dish or another, or, you know, this and that he's still here. Yeah. He's not gone. So I, I tell people, I, I help people who are grieving and I speak on grief a lot mm-hmm. because I have had quite a bit in my life. And, um, I speak to a lot of widows, especially young ones. I, I speak to them about, how they're not gone. Mm-hmm. You just can't see them. It's like the stars at night. The stars don't go away. Just right. some weird place. They right. see fine. We just can't see them until it's time. Right. So they never, they're always there. The stars are still shining right now. Yeah. You just can't see the light because we have a different perspective. So that's where I put that. I don't, okay. I don't know if I have an answer. Oh, no, I think that that's beautiful. I think that that's beautiful. Everything that you said. So as a life coach, and we did a session yesterday, which yes. was fantastic because I'm learning that as um, I'm working with different people in the podcast, I really want to bring forward people that this audience is ready to hear from, right? And so yes. experiencing that with different healers like yourself um, allows me to speak to it a little bit more. And when I was praying this morning, I said, okay, God, you know, I have this interview with Kate Grant today, and I would really like to um, bring through what you want us to bring through today. And I heard very clearly, a lot of people are suffering right now with understanding reaction and versus... um, being with something, right? We're reacting a lot to different situations in our lives. And so I wondered if you could kind of talk about reaction versus maybe a um, a more spiritual way. Sure. And we can kind of give some examples, right, yeah. of this. Um, yeah. Do you think that we could work on some yeah, of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love that because I um, have, have in the past been a very, an extremely reactionary person. Um, someone who I'm a people pleaser. So yeah. that, that, that demands reaction, right? Yes. Tell me what you want so that I can make you happy. Yes. What you want so that I can handle it for you. You know, what's making you sad so I can turn that around. Yes. So I'm a fixer and I'm, and I'm a people pleaser. So that combination can be sort of dangerous because it robs you of your personal power. 
Right. So really being reactionary totally robs a person of their own personal power. And so I, the way I speak to this, and we discussed this a little bit yesterday, is yeah. you're, a, you're such a busy person. You're so busy with so many things on your plate, juggling so many, so many plates um, every single day. And we talked about emails because emails are a very good example. All of us get emails, all of us get text messages. Right. So that's a really good place to start. It's a good example of being a reactionary personality. So if, if you, if, if you open your email box, your, your uh, inbox before you even sit down with your first sip of coffee while you're waiting for it to brew even, then what is an email? An email needs a response. And what is a response? A response is a reaction of some kind, whether it be positive, negative, scheduling, you know, whatever handling problems. Um, so what you want to do as a, as a person to help yourself become less reactionary is number one, schedule when you open that inbox. Yes. Just schedule it. Put it on your schedule like you would anything else. You know, you wouldn't usually get up and not brush your teeth. Right. That, that's a response. That's a very quick habit that you do. Right. So put it into a habit form rather than just, okay, well, I think I'll, you know, grab my phone off of the charger and click my email, my my inbox and see what that is, you know, or my messages, see who's after me. Um, you know, that is a, a kind of a, it's, it's a bad habit. It's just a bad, and we all do it. It's a bad yeah. habit. So until you place that into a good habit form and put it on your daily schedule, mm -hmm. then, then everybody else that you want to relate to, make happy, fix, whatever, is after your personal power before you've had your first sip of coffee. So they're taking from you is Absolutely. what you said yesterday, which totally mm -hmm. resonated with me yep. before you're able to even give to yourself yes. in the morning. And I think what's hard is, um, we were talking about this yesterday, you have an alarm clock on your phone. So the alarm is waking you up and you go over, at least I do, to tap it off, right? But yep. as soon as you do that, you see all the notifications <laughs> yep. and you start scrolling through the notifications oh, and yeah. it sucks you right in. So, um, so we talked about possibly even getting a different alarm clock so yep. that you don't have to do that and um, not even looking at the phone. Don't even touch the phone right. until you're able to give to yourself. Yes. And all of that is part of self-love and self-love will calm your storms in your life bigger and better and faster than anything that I ever coach around. And we touched on that a lot yesterday. Self-love, you can't pour from an empty cup. You're, you have a very demanding schedule. You have lots of people trying to reach out to you and a lot of people that you're trying to make happy and schedule. And, and uh, then, then where is your self-care? Because you cannot pour from an empty cup. And right. so if you think about it, I always equate that with your coffee cup. What if you went over to your coffee maker and it didn't make your coffee and you picked up your coffee cup expecting coffee to be in there and it was empty? Right. So disappointed. So disappointed. Yeah. So when people are after you, they don't know whether your cup's full or whether your cup's empty, but they're hoping your cup is full so they get the best of you. Right. So, and they can't get the best of you unless you filled up that cup. You've had your coffee. You've had your morning prayer. You've had your morning meditation. You've gone for that walk. You've kissed your family. You've petted your dog. Whatever your morning routine is to self-love and to look in the mirror and say, you are fantastic. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. And your intention for God himself is going to be fulfilled through your hands today. That is powerful. 
-hmm. And how can you reach that point unless, you know, if you're so busy reacting to people's emails and people's texts and people's Facebook notifications and, oh my gosh, there's just a lot. It's a lot. And all of us juggle a lot in our personal and professional lives. However, filling up your cup first Mm-hmm. is the best. You know, it's the, uh, every time I travel, I'm reminded, you know, when that flight attendant comes on and they say, okay, so if we ever were to lose pressure, these oxygen masks are, are going to come down. Make sure and put yours on first. Right. Put yours on first. That is a very good life lesson for all of us because if you're out of air, if you're out of energy, if you're out of resources, if you're frustrated or upset or feel you know, completely overwhelmed with work, you're not the best of yourself for those clients. You're not the best of yourself, for the people around you. So absolutely. That is one practice. And you do that by setting, setting an alarm, getting up, giving yourself your time first, and then, okay, say nine o'clock, nine o'clock, I'll go to my inbox. At first, it seems ridiculous. Yeah. Think no way. I, I can't not look at my emails. Oh my gosh, I'll miss so much guess what? Those emails are still going to be there at 9am. And when people understand that that's a self-love practice for you, they won't even email you before then. Before long, your email inbox won't be that full in the morning. They'll start because they know that you respect yourself and love yourself enough to fill up your Fascinating. Oh, I love that. I love that. Kate, I would love for people to know where to buy your book. Your book is Before You Were You. Your name's Kate Grant. And where can they find more information online? Where can they buy your book? They can go to Amazon or .com or barnesandnoble.com. And when you search the name of the book, and this is an odd little twist, I go by Kate Grant. However, the book is by Catherine Grant because okay. my publishers thought that I sounded smarter. <laughs> They said, Catherine, Kate, Kate sounds like the girl next door and Catherine sounds like someone who can be respected. So I don't know. It's under Catherine Grant. So okay. Search uh, and find it on either platform. Yeah. And you can download, um, there's not an audio book, but you can download it pretty oh, perfect. from either platform. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Are you on Instagram or social media at all? I am on Instagram and it is called my, I'm at mycrazymojo.com. Awesome. And Mojo stands for manifesting originality, joyfulness, and optimism. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if you can if you can get control of those three areas of you of your life, you can really pull forth those gifts that God gave us totally. to manifest here on the planet. So, um, yeah, my crazy mojo is, is what I am on Instagram. You can go to mycrazymojo.com and learn more about teaching and coaching and all that sort of stuff. Fantastic. I love it. If you have a question for Kate and you're listening to this, if you hop on over to my Instagram page at Angel Podcast on Instagram, we can um, ask Kate some questions and uh, connect you over there. If you've got questions for the podcast, maybe we'll just have to have you on again. Ah, sounds fun. I would love it. (laughs) Well, thank you everybody for being with us. Uh, If you want more information on um, the work that we're doing, go over to www.jancis.com. I know that we've got some events coming up this summer. We've got um, sessions that you can book. If you want to be added to the prayer jar, I pray for everyone every morning Um, and throughout the day. If you just subscribe for free on the website, site. And, um, 
Yeah. Oh, if you uh, rate us five stars and leave a review, we'd really appreciate that. We're totally listener supported right now. So we would just love for you to take care of us like that. And if you do um, write a small review, if you email it over to juliejancis at gmail.com. I'll enter you into a free drawing to win a free session. You're in there every month until you win. All right. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Disclaimer. This podcast provides general information and discussion about energy healing, spiritual topics, and related subjects. The conversations and other content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical, psychological, and or professional advice. If the listener or any other person has a medical concern, he or she should consult with an appropriately licensed physician or other healthcare professional. Never make any medical or health-related decision based in whole or even in part on anything contained in the Angels and Awakening podcast or in any of our linked materials. You should not rely on any information contained in this podcast and related materials in making medical, health-related, or other decisions. You should consult a licensed physician or appropriately credentialed healthcare worker in your community in all matters relating to your health. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. Again, angel messages, energy healing, and the information you receive here does not constitute legal, psychological, medical, business, relationship, or financial advice. Do not take any of the advice given in any Angels and Awakening podcasts or sessions in lieu of medical, psychological, legal, financial, or general professional advice. Please note, Angels and Awakening is a podcast produced by Chicago Energy Healing, a company with locations in Wheaton and Naperville, Illinois.